Now I want you to look at your neighbor and just smile at him. Just smile. Now you're not supposed to laugh at him, just smile. Now look back at him and say, I love you. Now look back at him and say, when'd you get here? No. <laughs> yes, ma'am. You've got to praise that. We're, we're past that. We can't be going back to that. That's right. Amen. Amen. I'm on my last notch on my belt. I don't, I've lost 35 pounds in a year, but we'll see. I weigh, uh, I weigh tomorrow, so we'll see. It may, it may uh, change after tomorrow. We'll get you another belt. You'll get me another belt? Okay. All right. Uh, it's fun. But 72 pounds, that's 74 point. Oh, yeah, let's get the point two in there. Amen. It's real important. That's awesome. That's the equivalent of my left leg. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I think somebody said that's the, after I lost 35 pounds, they said, well, that's a first grader. <laughs> so, so, Sheila, you've lost three of them. So, <laughs> it's funny to think about things that way. All right. Today's message will be different than what you're used to. It's going to be more of a teaching than it is a three-point. You'll remember the, the three C's that I used to point one, two, three. Uh, today we're going to... Uh, talk about leadership. In your bulletin is a church leadership brochure. I'd like for each of you to find that and open that. For several years we use this uh, every fall. We're going to go back to doing this every fall uh, using this form. And uh, I want to uh, explain to you how this form works and then I just want to spend some time on what we call the biblical qualifications for an elder, a deacon, and leaders' wives. You might think, what do you mean leaders' wives? Well, guess what? Uh, leaders' wives are critically important to the success of those male leaders in the church. Uh, without them doing the things that we're encouraged to do here, and they're encouraged to do here, it's only four things, but they're encouraged to be this way, it makes a big difference in the life of those leaders in the church. But the way this uh, works, as you look on the inside, there's a, a six-step process that we ask you to follow. And uh, next fall... During October, we will, you will see this appear again, and uh, we'll ask you to follow each of the six, uh, the six steps, and there'll be people that we want you to uh, nominate. Uh, today, right after church, we're going to have a brief congregational meeting for you to select men that have indicated a desire to serve as elder and as deacon, and uh, so uh, these are men that have been uh, brought forward and uh, have... Uh, they passed the test. I'm not sure if passing the test is the right phrase, but uh, these are men that are worthy uh, to serve and are, are willing to step in and help with that. Uh, several have been asked, and some have declined at this time just due to schedules and so forth in their own personal lives. Uh, we also want to get back to doing a rotation of leadership so that there's not a perpetual time that you can never, ever not be a leader in the church. So... Uh, want you mention that to you as well and we will let you know how that looks as we go along uh, we will also be calling on you not today but in the very near future to um, uh, we've got to replace 
one of our trustees. Uh, it was Jim Blair. Jim has passed, and he's uh, in his reward now, but uh, we'll need to replace Jim as a trustee of the church, and so we'll be doing that uh, in the next, uh, uh, probably by next month, we'll, we'll let you know that. All righty, but I wanted you to see that, and then on the, uh, if you'll flip half a page, uh, actually, I just flip it to the back of the, just flip it over. You'll see before you nominate someone for a position of leadership in the Lord's church, be sure and look over the 13 items that are there. And then below that is a form that we would have you tear off and turn in uh, this fall for men that you, first of all, you've talked to and that they have indicated a desire to want to serve. Then you will turn this in. And the way the process works then is the current eldership at that time will then contact that person and they have a questionnaire that they're asked to fill out. And then that questionnaire has gone over with the elders and uh, at that time, and uh, uh, either the person will choose to serve or not serve at that point. But we ask you to put your name there, and there's a reason. Because if you're a person that you nominate, then after the process of questionnaire and discussion of responsibilities and so forth decides not to serve, we'd like to come back to you and let you know that. Uh, not maybe the specific reason why they don't want to serve, but the fact that they have chosen not to at this time. So it's important for you to let us know who you are in the nomination process. Then the uh, very back there in the middle, what's expected of elders and deacons within our church? Uh, there's 10 of them there, and uh, you can expect from your elders and deacons this type of uh, commitment to you as a church. And so... Uh, like I say, over the last several years, we've gotten away from this for whatever reason, but uh, it's time now to get back to this and, and being more uh, prudent in our approach to that. Now, if you'll flip it back over to the inside, you're going to find a number of uh, qualifications. We're going to be in 1 Timothy, Titus. So if you want to open those Bibles you held up earlier uh, to 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, that's where we'll begin the process in 1 Timothy 3, but I uh, want to hold that, because I thought it'd be fun to just start off with a little bit of uh, humor, a little bit of fun. Um, what I want to give you is a list of 21 things that elders have learned, and it's not necessarily elders in the church, but just elders in peri period, because most of the time we think of elders being older people. But, boy, I ran across this list, and I couldn't turn it down. So uh, I think this will lighten your load a little bit today. You may remember some of them. You may have heard some of them before, but here it goes. Number one, never under any circumstance take a sleeping pill and a laxative on the same night. <laughs> Things that the elders have learned. Next, don't worry about what people think. Uh, they don't do it very often anyway. Next, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in a garage makes you a car. Artificial intelligence is no match for natural stupidity. <laughs> if you must choose between two evils, pick the one you've never tried before. A person who is nice to you but rude to the waiter is not a nice person. For every action, there's an equal and opposite government program. If you look like your passport picture, you probably need that trip. Bills travel through the mail at twice the speed of checks. A conscience is what hurts when all of your other parts feel so good. Eat well, stay fit, and die anyway. 
Men are from earth, women are from, women, uh, men are from earth, women are from earth, deal with it. A balanced diet is a muffin in each hand. <laughs> Junk is something you've kept for years and throw away three weeks before you need it. Experience is a wonderful thing and enables you to, to recognize a mistake when you make it again. Thou shalt not weigh more than thy refrigerator. <laughs> People who want to share their religious views with you almost never want you to share yours with them. You will never find anybody who can give you a clear and compelling reason why we deserve daylight savings time. <laughs> never lick a steak knife. You should never say anything to a woman that even remotely suggests that you think she's pregnant unless you can see an actual baby emerging from her at that moment. <laughs> and then the last one, the one thing that unites all human beings, regardless of age, gender, religion, economic status, or ethnic background, is that deep down inside, we all be believe we are above average drivers. <laughs> As the truck driver raises his hands in the back. I thought I'd get a little more mileage out of those than I did, but nevertheless. We want to start our list, and uh, Jeff, if you'll click first, I think the elders come up, great, and the next one. Desire the task. It's important to understand that if an elder, we want to spend the elder, elders have 32 things in scripture listed about them. Deacons have nine, the wives of leaders have four. So we want to start with uh, the elders, of course, they desire the task. Why would you want to serve anything if you didn't desire to be there? Amen? If you volunteer, and that's what this position is, it's a volunteer position, there are some in some churches that uh, place the pastor as an elder, and he's the one paid person, and there's biblical precedent for that. But there has to be a desire on the part of the person to serve. If you, if you are in a volunteer organization like uh, Little League Football or whatever, you know how hard it is to get people to volunteer their time, especially if they don't want to do it. And so oftentimes you have to have a desire, a passion to want to help people. And an elder is simply saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a little more of my time. I'm going to be more astute. I'm going to be more, uh, I'm going to study more. I want to pray more. And that's what an elder of the church should desire to do. And so that is the first one. And in Timothy 3.1, it says, this is a trustworthy saying, if someone aspires to be an elder, he desires an honorable position. Number two is that he needs to be above reproach. Going on in verse two, so an elder must be a man whose life is above reproach. There's nothing in that life that would cause someone to say, hmm, hmm, their life is above reproach. I love the story of the farmer who didn't show up on Wednesday night to Bible study. Uh, he never missed, never missed Bible study on Wednesday night. And so the, some of the church folks were a little bit curious. So about five of the men decided to run out to his farm to check on him. And they were glad they did because when they got there, they found him pinned under his tractor. It had turned over and landed on him, but because his life was so consistent and he would have been above reproach about going to church on Wednesday, that concerned the church, so they went to find him, and sure enough, they saved his life. Is your life that way? It's been said that if you 
were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Is your life above reproach? Next, husband of one wife. Let's look at our scripture here. Uh, he must be faithful to his wife or the husband of one wife. I've heard it translated husband of one wife at a time. Well, that sounds convenient. But he needs to be married one time. That's what, that's what it means. He needs to be married one time. So what do you do with a person that's been divorced? Well, one of the things that you have to understand is that divorce is not the unforgivable sin. Is it? I don't think it is. And I think we need to look at the circumstances surrounding that separation of marriage. Because just to hear that someone's divorced doesn't give you the whole story, does it? Well, I heard. Well, you heard means gossip. If you then repeat it, amen? Amen? Thank you. So we need to be very careful. But we always want to look for men that are, that are in a committed relationship in their home. Let me give you a for instance. We had a gentleman in this church some years ago uh, that had been married previously. When we inquired, and that's part of the questionnaire part of it, when we inquired as to what happened to that marriage, we found out that the wife left him. He did not remarry. He raised the children and once they were uh, adults and gone, then he pursued another relationship with a woman. So that makes it look a little bit different, doesn't it? But we sometimes just make a snap judgment without investigating and asking, prayerfully and gently asking. The next one, also in verse 2, says that he, he must exercise self-control or be temperate and full of self-control. Temperate means he doesn't fly off the handle. <laughs> Some men, you can say things to them, and they just fly right off the handle. They come right at your throat. Especially parents about kids. If it's your kid that's getting picked on, boy, these parents get really upset, and they come flying to get you. Now, we had an incident a, a couple weeks ago on a Wednesday night with one of our young people. They were out horsing around outside, and uh, this young person... Uh, collapsed under the pressure of a chokehold from a person four times his size. And it was not T up here in the corner, just, so, just relax. <laughs> it, was a, it was a different large young man. <laughs> so, but anyway, this young man fell and hit his head. Well, what are we going to do, preacher? What are we going to do? I said, well, his mother can take him to the emergency room and we'll pay for that because he's here. So we'll take care of it. That mom called me the next day to give me an update. Said he had a slight concussion. And she said, but I can't have you as the church take care of the bill. And I said, but ma'am, we're, we're more than willing to do that. She said, I know that. She said, but you do so much for all these young people. She said, uh, I just couldn't ask you to do that. Hey, that's awesome. That's awesome. And he's here this morning, and he's doing okay. Uh, I could call him a knothead because he's had a knot on his head for a little bit. So uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell, uh, you know, tell you, but you've got to be self-controlled. And sometimes men get out of control. But men have to show self-control and temperateness. They have to be uh, on an equal level. You want people who don't get rattled in the midst of chaos. You want people who don't get upset and fly off the handle if something isn't going the way it's supposed to go or the way they want it to go because it's really not about us, is it? It's about God. And maybe my idea isn't what God wants, but he wants your idea. So we need, to, we need to keep that in mind when you're thinking of leadership. Okay, so self-control next is respectable. 
He needs to be respectable. And what does it mean to be respectable? Well, it means that we're going to have respect from people. Uh, people that look at us as elders in the church and do they respect who you are and what you do. And there's times when you get, the Bible says we're not to get weary in well-doing. Amen? But the problem is, is that we do get weary in well-doing. We try and we work and we're still full of flesh and we struggle. And there's times when people aren't responding when we want them to respond. So we get a little weary in our well-doing. But take heart. Take heart. Even if they pick on you, even if they don't respect you, they at least haven't killed you like they did Jesus. Amen? I mean, hey, they didn't respect him enough, so they killed him. <laughs> so until you hang on the cross, Hebrews 12, 4, until you start to shed blood for the cause of Christ, don't get too excited. Hospitable is our next thing listed. What does it mean to be hospitable? Well, open your home. Take somebody out to lunch. Sit down and have a cup of coffee. I learned uh, several years ago from a, a, a very uh, influential preacher that uh, preacher don't expect the other person to buy all the time. Why don't you buy? Why don't you pay for it? And that's been a great lesson for me to learn. Uh, I, I don't expect you to buy. So if we go to lunch, I don't expect you to buy. In fact, I try to buy first just to, just to get you. <laughs> but I don't buy it to expect you to buy it next. I just buy it. There's days when I'll look around the restaurant I'm in and I'll see somebody, maybe a single mother, looks like a single mom with some kids, while they buy their meal. It's a lot of fun. I don't want them to know who it is. I didn't do it for that. I did it to bring glory to God and to thank God for the blessings that I have. It's just a, a way to extend those. So be hospitable. It could be just as simply as saying hello to someone. You know, people come to church. How are we received? How are we perceived as a church? If you're a leader of the church, if you're an elder of the church, man, you ought to be the one. Uh, I love, I love uh, our men that, that serve as elders here and have served as elders here. They learned this. They've learned to be cheerful. They've learned to be happy. Uh, uh, Don's favorite statement is, how you doing? I, I, just, I can't do the inflection he does. Uh, say it again, brother. Say it again. Oh, there you go. Okay, there you go. I feel like I'm in Chicago, you know. I mean, hey, hey, hey. But be hospitable. Jack Franklin, how you doing? Terrifical. There's not a word. That's not a word. But you feel better after he says it to you, right? Yeah. So be hospitable. Next, able to teach. It's real important that a leader, an elder especially, be able to teach. Uh, they may not can teach up front like this. It's okay. But they need to be able to sit down with you one-on-one -on -one and do some teaching with you. You see what I'm saying? Some, some can be up here. Others need to be able to do it in other settings. But having that ability to teach, and the only way you have the ability to teach is that you're growing in, the, in your walk with the Word. You're growing in your, in your study of the Word, in your love of the Word. That's when you see it happening in a guy's life. Next, not giving to much wine. Now notice it says not much wine. Nobody picked up on that? Didn't say you couldn't have any wine. It just says not, not much wine. <laughs> That's what most people would say. Well, it says much there, preacher. Not that we can't stop. Okay. Usually if you start, you keep going. It's better to be abstinent just from an example perspective. 
But I think it's interesting that we, we have men that aren't drunkards. And we come, we come on to that one a little bit later anyway. So we need to watch the... And you would see that mainly outside the church, wouldn't you? Not given to much wine. Next, not violent, but gentle. Are their words loud? I've had to learn this over the years. <coughs> not to yell and scream and be so loud. I discovered that a soft answer turns away wrath. Oh, that sounds scriptural. <laughs> so be gentle. Not quarrelsome. Some guys like to just argue. Have you met any of those? Especially about the Bible. They just love to argue. They just love to argue. They'll bring it up just because. They know it's going to create a, a stir, so they bring it up anyway. You know, like, did Adam have a navel? And so you're going, what? Did Adam have a navel? Well, how could, how could he produce a child if he didn't have a navel? That's a God thing. I don't know. I saw a cartoon the other day with Adam and Eve with buttons on, and their children were playing. They said, Adam and Eve just wanted to fit in. So they put buttons on where their belly button used to be. You folks need to smile a little bit today. Man, goodness. Maybe I should say something funny, and you would. Next one, not lover of money. Didn't say not have money. Said not a lover of money. Because you see, it's not ours anyway, is it? It's not ours anyway. The people who lead in the giving of any church should be your leaders. Amen? John Maxwell, uh, when he preached at Skyline Wesleyan Church in San Diego, uh, he would receive from the financial uh, pastor a list of those who gave every week and how much they gave. Now, I'm, I'm not that way. But his point was he wanted to make sure that the leaders of the church were giving, and if they weren't, he wanted to know why. Because if you're going to lead something, you need to believe in something. If you're going to believe in something, then you'll want to give your resources for that organization to be successful. Not a lover of money. Next, must manage his family well. Must manage his family well. That's really important. How does he, how does he do with the family? Are he and his wife always fighting with each other? Does she support him in what he does? Well, those are important things to see. The next one. Must not be a recent convert or a new convert. If somebody comes and says, I want to be a leader, and they've only been a Christian a year, what do you do? Well, absolutely, let's put them in there. <laughs> it used to be the criteria was if they came for Sunday school, Sunday morning church, Sunday night church, Wednesday night church, they were powerful people for God, so let's put them into a leadership role. We haven't checked anything else about them. <laughs> haven't looked at them, haven't, haven't tried them and proven them over, a, say, a year or two. <coughs> Being a recent convert is not always the, <coughs> the best thing to do. <coughs> the next one, have a good reputation with outsiders. So when you go outside the church, how are they perceived? How are they received outside the church? Do people speak well of them? Or do they say, oh, no, here they come? The worst place in the world to find them is at Little League Baseball or football or what, basketball. <coughs> When I started doing stats for the team on the sideline, I, there's only one game I've been asked to shut up. That was in Bartlesville, and that referee was completely out of control. But that's true, Coach. He was out of control, wasn't he? Okay. 
thank you. I'll pay him later for saying that for me. But, <laughs> but I felt good because I wasn't asked to leave the sideline. I was simply asked to stand away from the sideline. The assistant athletic director was escorted by the highway patrol off the sideline. So, hey, and that was after my incident, or I mean, that was before my incident, so I felt really good. But anyway, how are they perceived outside? Do people speak well of you? Uh, when you come up on the crowd, do they not want to be around you? So it's important. How are you perceived outside the church? The next one, if he has children, they need to be believers. Those children do. They need to, they need to be believers. And a lot of men have uh, <coughs> beaten themselves up over this. <coughs> they would make great leaders in the church, but their children have chosen not to follow the Lord like they should. Every kid has their own, makes their own choices. Have you noticed that? They do. I've seen too many good families raise children in the church and the child just decide to go off a different way because of whatever reason, selfishness or whatever reason they don't want to follow the ways of the Lord, so they just go off by themselves and do, it with other, do things that they shouldn't do. But if they have children, they must be believers. Next, next, they need to be a faithful steward of God. Now we're into Titus, by the way. We jumped over to the book of Titus, so if you have your Bibles, flip over there. Timothy, and, first, second Timothy, and then Titus. So you'll have uh, a couple of chapters plus the second Timothy, and then jump over to Titus. <coughs> a faithful steward of God. We teach and preach here very often, and we do it without any reservation, that you and I need to be good stewards of our time, our talent, and our treasures. Amen? See, it's not just about giving money. That's very important. But it's about the time and the talents. Some of you have talents and time that others don't have. Thank you, brother. I was hoping that's what you were doing. <laughs> so... We need to be about the business of, of giving our time, talent, and treasure. If you have all three, give all three, by all means. But you want your leaders, you want your elders to be men who are faithful stewards of God. Do they manage their house well? Are they in debt all the time? Can they, you see what I'm saying? We need to know more about them than just, he's a good old boy, never meaning no harm. Well, he's at church all the time, but he may be a skunk outside the walls of the church. We've got to find out. It behooves us to find out. Next, blameless, Titus says. He needs to be blameless. Can't blame him for anything. Now, ladies, you're all, you're all married to men who don't want you to blame them for anything. If something happens, they go, it's not mine. I didn't do it. You wonder where your children get it. They watch their, their dads do it. I, I don't know. I didn't do it. What do you mean? Well, how did that thing fall off the ceiling? I don't know. I wasn't here. It's easier for me to hire someone to do a job than to try to attempt it on my own self to try to do it. Because it'll cost me more to repair what I tried to do than it did if I had to just hired it done. Can I get an amen from anybody? Yeah, okay. <laughs> and I've noticed that it gets done a lot quicker if I hire somebody to do it than if I tell her I'm going to do it. I get those rolling of the eyes, and I get all that, you know, all that nonsense that wives do. Blameless. Next, not overbearing. He says in Titus, verse 7, not overbearing. Just because you have an opinion as an elder doesn't mean it's the only opinion, because you're not God. You didn't climb on a cross and die for anybody last time I looked. Amen? 
So don't be overbearing. Don't think that your word is the final word. I've met a, plenty of men that believe their word is the final word because they wear the title elder. Be careful. Be very careful. But see, when people come and they tell you how biblically knowledgeable you are and how much they appreciate all that you do and all you teach them, it can be dangerous. That can go to their head. When you come and tell me how great I sing, I have to be very careful. I have to be very careful. Because I am, I tell you what, I've stood on a stage. I stood on a stage in Branson. They turned the lights out and all I could see was me. <laughs> there were 900 people in that auditorium at the Mo Bandy Theater and I'm, and I'm standing on the stage and the spotlight is on me and I could see no one. I didn't, I didn't like it. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how, how performers do that. So if what I sing somehow touches you, and it is God that's doing it, not me. I'm just grateful for a gift that he gave. And just try to share it with you. I have no desire to go big time. <laughs> I'm already big enough. I don't need any more big time. Not quick-tempered. Said that one already, didn't we? Not quick-tempered. This one, this one comes up again. Not given to drunkenness. <laughs> Worded a little different. Not given to drunkenness. Not given to much wine. Not given to drunkenness. So you don't want to see your elders out at the bar on Friday night. Or Tuesday night. Or Monday night. Or Saturday afternoon. Now they could be at the bar to do some witnessing. So be careful about your judgment. Well, okay. Appearances don't mean everything. Don't judge a book by its cover. But we have to be very careful. And I love it when people say, well, it's not hurting anybody. If it hurts anybody, it's just me. Oh, it hurts everybody. It hurts everybody. If you make a mistake as a leader, it hurts the whole organization. So we have to be very careful, do we not? Be very careful. Next, not violent. And that's important. <laughs> we don't want elders jumping up. I, I mean, I've heard of board meetings where guys actually get into fist fights over, over what? Can you believe that? Oh, one old boy across the table didn't like the other boy across the table, and the old boy brought up something. He said, man, you do it all the time. I'm going to tear you. And they get up, and they start fighting right there. I've seen it happen, haven't you? Gee, many. Not violent. Next, not pursuing dishonest gain. You don't necessarily want an elder taking the church funds and going to the casino. Hey, man, we're going to hit it big. We're going to get that building project done. Boy, here we go. I've never seen a casino yet that just gave you money. Cindy sometimes likes to stop at that one when we go to Dallas, uh, Durant, big old thing. I said, honey, be easier. Just drive up, hand them 20 bucks, and say, God bless you, and move on. I said, you know, <laughs> silly to get out of the car and go in there and then walk out and say, God bless you, and move on. But don't pursue dishonest gain. Make sure you're reputable outside the church. Be hospitable. There it is again. Be a lover of the good. That's very important. Look for the good in everything. It's hard sometimes, but keep looking. Be self-controlled. We see it upright, holy, disciplined. Now we're getting into some really tough ones. Holy and disciplined. Do you see that in that person? Do you see them walking a walk, striving to walk a walk? We're all works in progress. Amen? Even elders are works in progress. They have not arrived yet, but they are doing their best to get where God wants them to go. 
Next, must hold firmly to the word. That's very important. Must hold firmly to the word of God. When they give an answer, it needs to be biblical in answer. It needs to have a scripture attached to it if possible. So that would be their men of the word. Must be able to encourage others with sound doctrine. We live in a time when sound doctrine is needed more than ever. And then the last one is they must be able to refute those who oppose sound doctrine. Today is the sanctity of life. And it's sad that 20 people lost their life in Connecticut. Little children. When I saw that, I looked at my granddaughter, who would be their age, and think, how in the world, how in the world could she, if she survived, how could she have gotten that out of her mind? But then I think about 3,500 every day of children that are killed in the womb. 3,500 a day. Not a word said. Billions, billions with a B are given to Planned Parenthood. 333,000 abortions they performed last year. <clears throat> and we got to pay for that. I've got an insert in your bulletin that encourages you. But <clears throat> holy, disciplined, sound doctrine, all critical pieces. Now, I want you to look at those 32 things. Do they not apply to each of us as believers as well? Yeah, they do. Yes, they do. Again, an elder is saying to you, I'm going to take a step just a, just a little above where you are, and I'm going to spend more time in prayer, more time in the Word. As we spoke last week, the apostles needed that time, didn't they? They needed time to study and to pray. And so when, when quarrels arose in the church, they found deacons to help them, which leads us to our next list. Just nine things, real quick, on deacons. They need to be worthy of respect. Sincere, not double-tongued. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. <clears throat> I never show up. Not indulging in much wine. Uh-oh, here comes that wine thing again. Of course, you knew that the people of this day, when this was written, drank wine. They did. They usually drank it at a meal, but it was never anything that was overindulged. That's why it says, not much. Don't be a drunkard. Not pursuing dishonest gain. Must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith. Possess a clear conscience. Must be tested to prove themselves before being given the task of serving as a deacon. That's what he says in verse 10 of chapter 3 of 1 Timothy. Prove them. Let them be involved in serving the church. Let them show you that they want to be here, that they want to do something. They want to follow through, that they're not so hard fast on who they are and what they are that their answer is the only answer. A friend of mine, another church, they were going to purchase a people mover like we have. Uh, but yet 15 passengers said 25, so you didn't have to have a CDL license. And they had a time frame of 30 days. They wanted to find this uh, at the, under a price of $10,000. And so they asked the deacon in charge of that to pursue it. Well, it got down to the 27th day, and he said, well, I'm still looking. Well, how long does it take to look? <laughs> he had nothing to show them. So someone else had already found one and presented it. And the church leadership went ahead with it. And this guy says, well, I'm taking leave of absence from the serving <clears throat> because 
Well, because he didn't get his way. That's what we're talking about here. Also says husband and one wife. Manage his family well. You want to see a deacon who can manage his family. I had to quit being a coach in Little League. I love football, I love baseball, I love all that stuff, and I love helping young people. But I had to stop because of my last experience with Mark. Because I got so upset that I yelled at these little kids. Because I was so competitive into the game that I'd lost reality of what was all, what it was really all about. I mean, these kids were just having fun, and I just, just shut up. <laughs> and that's what I finally did. I said, you know, the only way I can shut up is not be there. So I just came as a fan and just sat back and watched and had more fun. I loved it when Cindy Mae Corey put on a chest protector when he pitched. I said, honey, it's going to be hard for him to throw. Well, this was designed for pitchers. And he kept looking at me. I said, son, son. But, you know, she was right. What if a line drive comes back, hits him in the chest, kill him of a heart attack? Okay, dear. The percentage of that ever happening. But nevertheless, he wore a chest protector while he pitched. One year. <laughs> he said, Dad, I'm not going to play again if I have to. I said, don't wear it, son. Just put it aside. But, you know, manage your family. Manage them well, man. It's important. Your children need you. Your children need you. Now let me give you the four for leaders' wives. Worthy of respect. Why would he say in 11, not malicious talkers? <laughs> Cindy tells me about things at work every day. and One day I finally looked at her and I said, you know what? You just got a, you just got a room full of women. She said, that's exactly right. Women can be the most cruel people in the world. But we have to be very careful about malicious talkers. So he's talking to the wives of leaders. Don't be malicious talkers. Sometimes, ladies, you're going to find out things about the church that you're not supposed to know, and you better keep your mouth shut. You're not supposed to tell your wife about it. Because there's sometimes you're dealing with people's lives. Keep your mouth shut. I think that should have been a list for the men, too. Temperate. And then I love this one, trustworthy in everything. You see, Paul understood the dynamic of men and women working together. He understood the dynamic of a marriage. He understood the tendencies that are there. He understood the tendencies of human men in leadership. See, just because you wear a title, elder or deacon, does not give you any right or privilege that, that you don't have. You're just simply saying, I'm going to serve. I want to serve. Now, there's more on an elder's life. I mean, he has to be able to, like I said, refute sound doctrine and don't say, so that's the step he's taking. Deacons, you're here to serve. So when a task is given, serve. Do it to your completeness. Do it with, to the best of your ability. Get it done. Recruit a team to help you. What's been exciting for me, and, and I want to thank all of you for being willing to do this, I rolled into the church last week on a Monday and I noticed that our church bus was gone. <laughs> and I had no idea who took it. I just sat in my car with my hands up like this and said, thank you, Jesus, that I have no idea where that bus is. Because what that meant was is that somebody in this church, I hope, took it. <laughs> and sure enough, somebody took it because there's a few repairs that need to be done on it. And they just took it. They took it on themselves to get it and go. Isn't that awesome? 
So when I find out I don't know, I smile and rejoice. Because that's when the body's working the best. You don't have to have the preacher know. I don't want to know. You just come do it. If there's a need, come do it. Come help. Because there will always be something that needs to be done. Uh, we're going to try to paint the outside of the church this spring when it gets a little bit warmer. I don't know. We probably ought to do it now. It's pretty warm in it. So maybe you want to come and swing a brush. I don't know. Chrissy and Chris are moving into an apartment next, next Saturday. Now, they've recruited our young people to help them. And they were having a hard time because it was over by Union High School. I mean, they, just, they were having a hard time. But then when then the, you know, she played the sympathy card and said, well, it's to help my grandma and grandpa. Well, okay, all right. She told them to wear their jinx stuff, and I said, nah, that would be death waiting to happen. But then she threw in pizza and that kind of, okay, sure, it's help. We'll do it. Preachers are a funny lot. Knowing that the minister was fond of cherry brandy, one of the church elders offered to present him with a bottle of one on one consideration. He said, Pastor, you have to acknowledge the receipt of the gift in the church paper. Gladly, gladly, responded the good man. So when the church paper came out a few days later, the elder turned at once to the appreciation column, and he read this. The minister extends his thanks to Elder Brown for his gift of fruit and for the spirit in which it was given. I don't, know what cherry, I don't know what cherry brandy is, so don't give me any of that. If you have cherries, I'll take those. But I don't. How do we offer an invitation now? Simply to say this. Every qualification that is listed applies to each of us. Perhaps there's some area in your life that needs some work on. Perhaps there's just one area that you need to work on. Well, my encouragement to you is Make a decision to work on it. We're going to sing our hymn of invitation as we always do. Because I never know what God's doing in your life, in your heart. But I'm telling you that if you will live these and possess these qualifications in your own life, on that final day, God will say, enter into your rest, you good and faithful servant. So let's pray together and then we'll sing. Father, I thank you for this time this morning, just a teaching time, to stop and realize that how blessed we are as your people. Father, we tend to be judgmental. We tend to look at the outside before we look at what's going on inside. I'm praying today that we as believers, we as followers of your son, Jesus Christ, Christ followers, will stop and consider that for every man who leads, we need to possess the same qualities in our own life. And so, Father, if there's somebody here today that's listened to this list of items, these list of characteristics, and they don't see them actively being possessed in their own life, would they consider making that change? And here's what I love about you, God, and you'll do it instantly because that's the way you are. If we need to ask for forgiveness, you'll forgive us that fast. If we need to say, Lord, I want to go deeper, you're ready to go with us. So God, today, today, would somebody say, I'm going to take another step towards you that I haven't in the last year, maybe in the last 10 years. 
And so, God, would you help me with this item? Would you help me be a better servant? I don't know what it is, Lord, but you do. So would you prompt their heart in Jesus' name? Amen. Let's stay.